Good morning. Good morning. I like the weather a couple of days ago more than this morning. Man, what happened to spring? Well, we are um, in a series starting last week um, on Joseph. Um, how many of you were here last week to hear the beginning? It was amazing. Joseph, um, as Chad kind of set the table for us, is a story about a man that went through a lot in his life. He started his life experiencing a ton of favor, and Chad talked uh, last week a lot about what it looks like when God's favor is on us and how we begin to host that favor. Today, we're going to talk about a different thing that I'm really excited to talk about um, because I actually think it's really relevant for us. And it's, we're going to talk today about how Joseph was willing, ready, and able no matter what came to him. And as we dive into the story, that's not a small thing. In fact, as I've been kind of sitting with this this week, I really feel like God wants to use Joseph's story today to bring a lot of freedom for us in this room. Because there's something about Joseph being able to walk into incredible circumstances, very trying circumstances, and have such a freedom in his heart that he could engage those circumstances with exactly how God wanted him to respond. But that can't always be said for us, right? There's so many things in life that come at us where we can't respond because there's stuff going on in our hearts that kind of get in the way. So let me pray for us, and we'll jump into it. Father, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you for the way that your word uh, brings light through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we declare our need for you this morning. We thank you for your written word and your living word. And we just pray that there would be a beautiful um, collision of Lagos and Rhema today for each one of us. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so we just ask that you would pour out into all of our hearts this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Joseph is a story that has a lot of amazing things going on. There's a little bit of political intrigue. There's a little bit of betrayal. There's some seduction. They're like, there's a lot of stuff. It kind of makes me feel a little bit like a 007 movie or like an 80s nighttime drama like Dallas or Falcon Crest. Like, for all the young people, they're like, what's that? Um... There's something about this story that has so many different elements to it that's really, it's really amazing. So this week, we're going to really lean into this idea of Joseph in the midst of all the stuff going on, how he was willing, ready, and able to engage everything that came at him. Willing and ready and able specifically to faithfully steward whatever he had whatever power and privilege he was given, to use when God said so. Now think about that for a minute. Joseph had so many blessings given to him. And he was always willing, ready, and able, regardless of the circumstances, to leverage those blessings for those that he was engaging with. And this really is a challenge for all of us. Because 
We're grafted into Abraham's family. Joseph's a part of Abraham's family. The, the main vision of Abraham's family is God said, I want to bless you to be a blessing. So if you are in Christ, you are grafted into Abraham's family. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. And so there's a challenge through this story for us to understand how we are willing, ready, and able to steward the blessings that we've been given regardless of what's going on in our life. So Joseph was given the coats. What does that mean? That would have been the coat given to the firstborn. Joseph was number 11 out of 12. He was given the coat of the firstborn, the the coat of royalty, the coat that would take over the family business, the coat that said to everybody else around that this is the heir apparent. That's why his brothers hated him. They were pissed. Because number 11 out of 12 got the coat. So all the other brothers were out in the field, tending to the sheep, building up the family business. Where was Joseph with a coat? Inside, learning the family business. So when Joseph's dad, Jacob, said, hey, Joseph, go check out on your brothers, see what's going on out there. He's basically saying, you're going to be my manager. You're going to walk around and see what's going on out in the business. So Joseph starts walking out in the field willing, ready, and able to steward his leadership position. That's why his brothers hated him. He's walking out with the coat, with the the mantle of the family business, and his brothers are like, "Mm." Joseph was willing, ready, and able to serve in that way, to steward that. His brothers didn't like it, so they sold him off into slavery. So what happens? He goes off into into Egypt. He was sold to Potiphar. Potiphar immediately saw that this was a man who was well-trained in stewarding a business. He was well-trained. So Potiphar immediately put him over his household. And Joseph said yes, because he was trained in in, in running a household. He was trained in running this. He had the skills And he did it. And so Joseph in in Genesis 38 said, Joseph was in charge and Potiphar didn't have to worry. He was able to steward. He was willing, ready, and able to steward in that context. Potiphar's wife saw that this was a man who was well-built, as the scriptures say. He carried a lot of skill. He was attractive to her. She tried to seduce him. Um, Joseph immediately rejected it because he understood that he had to steward what God had given him. And so he rejected it. But he was wrongly accused. He's put in jail. But he's immediately raised up again because he's a leader. And so the warden puts him in charge of all the other prisoners. what, What does a person have to do if they're in jail, to be put in charge of the prisoners. Like what tasks would have, would have, would have he had to prove himself with? Cleaning? I mean, there's, there's not much you can do in prison. Clean up after the other prisoners. Right? Be faithful maybe to tell the warden if some of the prisoners are out of line. Notice this pattern 
Joseph keeps being put into positions of power, but the people that he is leading don't like it. But he's faithful. His heart is willing, ready, and able. And obviously we know that there's some pride in there. So he's willing, ready, and able. He's put into this position of power. But it wasn't just his leadership skills that he's leveraging, that he's stewarding. It was also spiritual power that he was stewarding. So when the baker and the the cupbearer come in and they start having dreams, Joseph was already trained prophetically. So he's able to steward his prophetic gift for them. So he's not just stewarding leadership skills. He's now stewarding the prophetic, which God begins to use to open up more doors. So Joseph, in each of these transitions, is, is, holds something of value. Initially, it's his leadership skills. Well, initially, it's his favor. Then it's his leadership skills. Then it's his prophetic skills. As he holds those things of value... He is able, his heart is in such a position to be able to use that to benefit the situation that he's in, to benefit the people that he's in community with. And so he interprets the dreams. We know what happens a little bit later. Um, Pharaoh starts having dreams. Pharaoh catches word that there's a dream interpreter down in prison, so Pharaoh sends for Joseph And Joseph in in Genesis 41 is brought up and Pharaoh says to Joseph, after Joseph interprets his dreams, Pharaoh realizes there is somebody of great value. And so he says, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you, you shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So again, he's put into a position to be able to steward what God has given him. But the goal wasn't just his promotion in Egypt. A lot of times when I hear about Joseph preached, um, we only hear about his promotion. Joseph wasn't promoted just because God liked him. There was a purpose for his promotion. He was promoted because there was a salvation that was needed. There was a famine coming. The famine hits up north in, in the promised land and Joseph's family comes in. And so Joseph's promoted for the purpose of saving his family and then ultimately to also save the Egyptians because they go through a famine themselves. So the goal wasn't just promotion for the sake of promotion. It was to save a lot of people. And so in Genesis 50, it says, but Joseph said to them, to, to all this, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to his brothers. You intended harm for me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So whenever God promotes us, gives us something to steward, and then promotes us to use that, there's always something in his heart that he wants to do this. So that's just kind of a quick overview. But the bottom line is this. In every season that Joseph was in, he was willing, ready, and able to steward what God had given him. But he was betrayed. He was sold off into slavery. He was wrongly accused. He was put in prison. He was lied about. I don't know about you, but when those kinds of things happen to us, we're usually not willing, ready, and able. 
we're usually bound in bitterness and frustration. We're usually bound in victimhood. We're usually complaining. Our hearts aren't free. Man, when someone cuts me off in traffic, I'm not willing, ready, and able to steward what God's given me. Do I get an amen? When I'm sitting in car line picking up my girls after school, I'm not so willing, ready, and able to steward what God's given me. When somebody steps in front of me in line at the grocery store, or I'm in a hurry and the person in front of me in the line in the grocery store has taken way too long, our lease is up on our car and we've had to start looking around for a replacement for our car. And I went into a dealership yesterday and I wanted to go in just like really defended because, um, like to defend myself because because I don't want to be taken advantage of by the salespeople. So my heart in that situation, I'm really tempted not to be willing, ready, and able because I, I don't want to be taken advantage of. Anybody been betrayed in here? Nobody's willing to admit it. It is so hard when somebody that we put our heart's trust into if they betrayed us. And even the smallest little ones can send us off for a week, two weeks, a month. If it's a bigger, bigger betrayal, it can send you off for years. Have you ever wondered why some people can, can get sick and walk with such grace and freedom, fully ministering to the people around them, while somebody else with the exact same disease can become so depressed and bitter. My grandfather had Parkinson's disease, and if you've ever been in community with somebody with Parkinson's, especially, and the medications have changed a lot, so it's a lot better now, but back in the 80s and 90s when my grandpa was struggling, um, it was, it's a brutal disease. And he walked with such grace. Like all the nurses that were around him just loved loved him because of how much grace he carried in it. You know, as, as his tremors got worse and worse and worse, he had a really hard time writing. Um, one day I'd, I'd come home from college and help take care of him. And, and he said, Sean, get me, get me a pencil and paper. And I ran and, and I got it because he was not writing anything at this point because his tremors were too bad. Um, so I knew that it was important of what he wanted to write down. And so I brought him a pad of paper and a pencil and I just kind of let him have some privacy for a minute. And I walked into the other room, and I just kind of waited. And, and when I turned around, he, he was asleep in his wheelchair, <laughs> which he often did. He'd just fall asleep. But the pencil and paper were right there. And he said, in his chicken scratch, because of his tremors, it said, Jesus is my life. Sadly, there are some other family members in our family that were taking care of him that he passed away in 1996 are still bitter because of it. He had such freedom. He was so willing, ready, and able to steward whatever he could that others can't. And so this story is really a challenge to us the way Scripture often is an invitation to identify with the characters, 
This is a story that invites us to really wrestle with whether or not we're really able to steward with freedom what God has given us or if we're going to get caught up and in bondage. And as I was praying this week, I really felt like the Lord was saying, there are some people in our community that are bound up, that are in bondage, that would like to be willing, ready, and able to steward whatever God's given them, but they can't. Their hearts are just in such bondage. And, I, and I'm praying this morning that there would be something that would lift off us, so we can walk in the freedom. That Joseph, when he's betrayed, when he's, when he's um, put in prison, when he's put into all these different situations, even promoted, even in the promotion he was willing, ready, and able to thrive in it. And that's really, really my prayer. So how did... Joseph keep his heart pure for that. How was his heart in such a position so that he could continue to steward what what God has given him? I think the answer is found in Genesis 50. He has one little phrase that is an absolute game changer. After Jacob dies, Joseph's brothers were petrified that Joseph would bring retribution, bring vengeance. They're scared. They felt like Jacob was protecting them from Joseph's wrath. They didn't, they totally missed everything that had happened. And Joseph says this phrase in response to them. He says, am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? This phrase is such a powerful revelation to Joseph's heart that kept his heart pure no matter what happened. Because he understood this principle that only God is the one who can judge. Let me explain this. In the Garden of Eden, there are two trees. There's the tree of life and the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil. When God created Adam, he said, Adam, you can eat out of the tree of life all you want. The tree of life represents this constant source of provision, this source of communion, this source of relationship, this place of trust, this place of abiding, this place of shelter, this place where God is God and we are not, this place where God can provide for his creation, where there's abundance in his creation. This other tree where God said, don't touch it this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a tree that invites us, that beckons us, that tempts us to go after a kind of knowledge where we become judge. Once we eat of that tree and place ourselves in the seat of judgeship, everything shifts. Now the challenge for us is that Adam and Eve did eat of that tree. That seed was born into us. So we're actually raised in cultures of judgment. 
But that judgment produces distrust and bitterness and fear and anxiety. It pulls us away from God as provider. Let me break it down this way. No matter what happens in your life, if you're eating from the tree of life, it is illegal to judge the people in your life. That's that other tree. It's illegal. If you're wondering who's good and bad, who's a good person, who's a bad person, who's a safe person, who's an unsafe person, who's a dangerous person, you're already missing it. Joseph's brothers were unsafe. They intended it for evil. If you are constantly judging the people in your life, you will find yourself distancing yourself from them, unable to love them, and if they hurt you, you will sever and move away in in judgment. So when things get challenging and when we're dealing with conflict, if we resort to judging the people around us, trying to decide if they're good or bad or safe or not, we're already losing. Now, some of, for some of us, this is going over our head a little bit, but I just pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to, to open our eyes to this. Because the question isn't whether or not someone is good or bad, safe or not safe, because honestly, if we were going to ask the question, the answer is yes. Every person is good and bad. Every person is safe and unsafe. That's the reality. The seed of sin is in all of us. We're all safe and unsafe. I am safe and unsafe to you. But Jesus invites us into a different paradigm, and that is, will you love? Will you forgive? Will you bless? Paul says it this way in Romans 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. People are not objects to judge. They're beings to love and to bless. And so Joseph said, I am not in the place of God. I can't judge you. Yeah, you intended to kill me, but God had a different purpose. God let you do this because he had a different purpose in mind. If I got caught up in judging you for your action, even their hearts were evil, right? He's like, I can't even judge that. And so he was able to walk in forgiveness. He even wept when they came in. He just... He was able to walk with a freedom in his heart, totally willing, ready, and able to love them and protect them. He actually created a a shelter for them. Now, some of us are stuck not just because we judge other people, because we've been judging ourselves. Some of us, God has given you, some of you, so many incredible gifts. He's blessed you so abundantly, but you're so stuck because you're judging yourself as unworthy. 
You're judging yourself for whatever has happened. Joseph could have judged himself because he was arrogant early on. He shouldn't probably have told his brothers what, about his dreams. He probably should have walked a little more humility in that position of leadership. He could have put himself in emotional prison for the rest of his life because he made a few mistakes there. But he didn't. He eventually got out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and back into the tree of life. So he wasn't judging the people around him and he wasn't judging himself. And there's freedom in that. The second thing that we don't have permission to do in the tree of life is to judge the situation. Think about that for a minute. How often, when things are hard in our life, do we judge it? Saying, this is, this is a terrible season. This is, this is a terrible day. We judge it. Or this is a good day. Joseph spent... 13 to 17 years, somewhere in that range, in prison. He could have spent, in every situation, he could have judged it and it would have locked his heart up. In the tree of life, the question is more, has more to do with, God, who do you want to be for me in this situation? Like, yeah, this is a trial. Like, yeah, we can say that. But it's when we judge it as good or bad that we start to get into trouble. It's, it's illegal. We don't have permission to do that. So we can't judge the people. We only have the opportunity to love them. We can't judge a situation, but we do have the opportunity to say, God, in the tree of life, in this situation, I need you in this way. God, I need you to be my liberator. God, I need you to be my healer. God, I need you to be my provider. God, I need you to be my shepherd. God, I need you to be the light. I need you to be the bread of life. I need you. You've revealed yourself to me in all of these ways. God, I need you for those things. Yes, the circumstances are. They just are. We're in a fallen world, and the circumstances sometimes are really, 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 really hard. And sometimes we do need a liberator. Sometimes we do need salvation. Sometimes we do need provision. And God wants to reveal himself to us in that situation in exactly the way that we need. So you are given permission. Well, first of all, you're not given permission to judge it, but you are given full permission to say, God, who do you want to be for me in this? This is Graham Cook 101. It's his favorite question. God, who do you want to be for me in this situation? Watch as you start to do that, what happens with your heart. When you stop judging traffic, stop judging struggles with your family, stop judging your economic status, and instead say, God, who do you, who do you want to be for me in this? Watch the tree of life snap into place. It's beautiful. Think about this. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for an encounter with the devil. 
Paul knew that he had to go to Jerusalem, but Agabus, the prophet's like, don't go, it's bad, you're going to get arrested. Don't judge it. Jesus said to Peter, Satan's asked me to sift you, and I'm going to let him. We can't judge it. Now, he does want to give us discernment about what we need in it. He does want to reveal himself to us in those situations. But even the most prophetic person only sees in part. So if we're trying to operate out of the wrong tree, we're trying to get all the data so that it's safe, even prophetically, instead of saying, God, who do you want to be for me in this? I was talking with Joe this week. Um, <laughs> Joe's had some, tar- some tire problems. I was going to have him come up and share that. We don't have time. In a nutshell, he had to replace all four tires. We had just talked about this, this process. When he's getting those tires replaced, he walked with such peace. He's like, God, who do you want me to minister to in the tire place? He was, a, he was willing, ready, and able to steward what God's given him as he's getting his tires replaced. And then a couple of days later, his, one of his tires blew, his brand new tires. And then he judged it. <laughs> but that's like, that's us. This is how real it is. Like we're eating out of both trees a lot, even the most mature. But the more you eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will find yourself, your heart in such bondage, totally cut off from the flow of the kingdom. The last thing that I'll say is this. Your heart cannot be willing, ready, and able if you're living in the past or the future. You have to be 100% present. If you're living in the past, you're living in regret, you're living in bitterness, you're living in shame, living in guilt, or pride, the glory days. If you're living in the future, you're living in anxiety and fear, But when you're in the presence with the great I am, the tree of life is right in front of you. The tree of life is right in front of you. Think about Joseph. He was so willing to interpret dreams in prison, so ready. And he was also ready to steward a kingdom. He was ready to receive his family because he was fully present in those situations. So I feel the call for us this morning is to really begin to ask Holy Spirit to help you recognize where you've been eating out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and to renounce it like with courage and with boldness and say enough. And say, Father, I'm sorry because that's your seat. I am not you. I cannot judge the situation. I cannot judge the people that I'm around. 
I get to love you and I get to trust you. And watch as you, as my mom used to say, pick your little fanny up out of the seat of judgment and come underneath the tree of life. Watch what happens. Watch. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you that you, you are so passionate, so passionate for our freedom. And we confess, even in the name of religion, it's so easy for us to go to the, to the wrong tree. So, Father, we, we come to you this morning and we confess that we need you. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher, our comforter, our instructor. For some of us, our hearts are really, really battered. So we've really been hurt. And it's really hard to get out of that bad tree. It's really hard. And so Holy Spirit, we need your comfort and your power to release. We need your light to show us. We need revelation around what's going on in our hearts and our minds that keep us in the wrong spot. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask, I ask that you would come with your wisdom and revelation for my brothers and sisters this morning. Would you bring revelation? Would you bring freedom? Holy Spirit, where you are, there is freedom. Holy Spirit, you are life. We need you. We need your ministry. We need your presence. Holy Spirit, would you come and bring freedom to each one of us? Holy Spirit, would you break off bitterness? Would you break off victim mindsets? Would you break off fear and anxiety? Would you break that off so that we can come into your abundance? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great morning. May you walk in the freedom of the tree of life. Amen.